G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, good to touch base with Family Voice Australia, the National Director of Family Voices, Charles Newington. Charles is joining us. Hello, Charles. Welcome back. Thank you, Neil. Good to be back. Well, what a week it has been in the Parliament. And uh, for those who have not been following the news, uh, there's significant things that affect uh, everything when it comes to our ability as Christians to be able to teach what we believe the Bible teaches. A significant week in the Parliament all around the Sex Discrimination Act. What are your thoughts for what has developed, Charles? Yes, well, it's been very thick and fast, and uh, I, I sympathise with people who feel like it's it's been hard to track and keep track of. Uh, it has been it has been hard to track, and uh, the basic thing has been that that the Sex Discrimination Act has certain exemptions that cover religious uh, bodies and uh, and educational institutions established for religious purposes as well. And uh, the the intent, while it doesn't specifically mention schools, it actually assumes and implies that schools, uh, religious schools, are set up for a religious purpose, not just an educational purpose. And uh, that's that's how come this is uh, focusing upon schools as much as it is. And I think that's a very interesting point, you know, that... Um, that from a from a Christian perspective, and no doubt from an Islamic perspective or a Jewish perspective, education is not just merely a matter of um, what we might call secular um, education, educating people for the the work environment, but it's educating them for life, and that education implies a moral education and a spiritual education. So. Um, the, you can see the, uh, that our early legislation re, um, kind of respected that and 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 valued it. And um, and now that societal values are changing, we're wanting to remove exemptions that that, that people now feel are out of out of step with the zeitgeist of the nation in its desire for a, a new kind of sexual um, sexual orientation and liberty to express one's sexual uh, identity. Charles, and, uh, it is the case, isn't it, that when we think of Christian schools, some people are thinking this is separated from the church, but really Christian schools are an extension of the teaching of the church. Exactly. So if there's a yeah. limitation on the schools, there's a limitation on the church. Very much so, uh, very much so. The, these schools are set up exactly like that. Uh, and sometimes we, we can see it more clearly when we see the schools that are recognised as Anglican schools or Catholic schools, where the name is actually, the denominational name is actually in the school. But um, So this, this, uh, this kind of generic term, Christian schools, that covers lots of other kind of generally evangelical kind of schools. These schools are very much the expression of local churches or denominations, and they are for religious purposes. They are, as I say, you know, the, the religion doesn't just cover uh, what we do in the building, but it covers how we approach science and how we approach the arts and how we approach, um, uh, you know, our engagement in the world. And uh, and that is the nature of religion. And this is 
part of the big debate that's been going on that um, that some people don't don't want to concede that religion is that holistic that it influences everything they want to kind of confine it to the private space of the home and the church hall well charles the center alliance senators have stalled the process and it looks like it won't be now debated again until the new year and uh, you never know what might change with that uh, today, but uh, it looks as though that's the case. Uh, there is yeah. a little bit of a reprieve here, but what are your thoughts for people understanding the significance of what happened this week, uh, being prepared uh, for how they might be an influence and to get word out, because there seems to be a significant ignorance amongst even Christian people as to the value of what it is to be able to teach what you believe in a Christian school context. What are your thoughts for what people ought to be preparing for now into the new year? year well i I, you know the general consensus is and and you can see that um you know the the archbishop of uh, of sydney the anglican archbishop of sydney glenn davis and a number of others they wrote to uh, an open letter to uh, to the parliament to the prime minister and the leader of the opposition and members of parliament to to express their concern that what uh, the Labour Party was seeking to do was it was seeking to remove these exemptions or protections that allowed uh, religious schools and colleges and training institutions of all kinds to teach within the religious framework and values that were important. Now, if if they would not have written that if they hadn't had strong and clear legal advice that that is what could have happened if that Labour proposed bill went through. Now, I think that um, we, we need to see that we are dealing with a major shift in uh, in the culture and attempt to limit the freedoms of uh, not just the church, of course, but all religious bodies to limit the freedoms and to impose the state upon up over religious bodies, in fact, telling them what they can and they can't teach. And and that that's always been a very sensitive issue, you know, of hundreds of years. That's that church-state divide, and that the church-state divide was set up to protect the churches from the state and not the other way around, although, of course, the relationship's not always been healthy. And we see that in a, a religion like Islam, for instance, they don't recognize that that separation and that Islam is, is over the state. Um, Christians don't feel that. We recognize that we need to maintain the independence of the state within a democratic frame of reference. So this is this will affect everybody. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It will affect everybody. And, um, and we just need to pray and need to work to make sure that we get a kind of a balanced outcome um, um, in, uh, as for the nation, because this affects, you know, it, there's over a million uh, children in in Christian schools or, or faith re- uh, uh, faith related schools. We're not talking small numbers here, um, and there's thousands and thousands of people, obviously, training for ministry and in, and in religious colleges, tertiary colleges, etc., that that are being affected by this. So uh, it's not a it's not a small issue. It's it it affects you know, a a large proportion of of Australian society. Charles, the momentum seems to be against the church, as you describe. 
cultural change. Uh, but this is not something that is inevitable. And I imagine that when the church is uh, pushed into the corner, that either it'll just be swamped by this tsunami that is rising, or uh, perhaps there might be some with a little bit of courage to stand up and fight for what is truth and what is right, and for the freedom, as we say, uh, not just of religious freedom, but for all Australians. I mean, this is uh, uh, the freedom of all Australians under attack here. Uh, there's this, this idea of being swamped and the culture against us and the momentum's not on our side how do you see all of that or is that not really a relevant assessment well it is a relevant assessment uh, you know it's certainly the the momentum in in what we might call the public square uh, commentary you know in in the media things like you can see very selective commentary that 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 always seems to frame christians in particular as as reactionary as as historically irrelevant now, that sort of thing. And, uh, but actually, I think that what it, it's doing is it's, it's making Christians think very hard, again, about our engagement in society. And one of the challenges here is to, to realize that while they, it seems that they're going after Christians or that some people are going after Christians and Christian freedoms, um, we have to kind of just stop for a minute and recognize that, the, that it's not just about our freedoms. Uh, it's about everybody's freedoms. And that what, what we are being asked to do here is to defend freedom. We are being asked to defend freedom of speech for all people. Uh, freedom of religion for all people, freedom of conscience for all people. Um, we can't just defend it for ourselves, and this is this is difficult for us because we we think to ourselves, uh, I don't know whether I want to defend the religious freedoms of, say, a Muslim or whatever. But in a society like ours, uh, we must recognise that they have as much right to to uh, uh, to practice their faith um, you know within the n normal reasonable considerations of law that, uh, that we are subject to as well um, uh, that uh, this is the challenge for us that uh, that this is that this is this is uh, this is about freedom it's not just about religion it's and and that's and that's um, you, you know that's the church has not got a very good history on this in some ways because so much of the history of this, the of religious freedoms has in fact been uh, the dissenting voices within the church uh, sort of saying give us the right to believe what we've believed that the Christian scriptures are saying or something like that against say the you know the monolith of of, of Roman Catholicism or that that relationship that used to exist between the church and state that made it difficult for for minorities. Christian minorities, and actually that was the framework, that was the cultural background against which this legislation was being formed and framed. Now the world has changed, and in a country like Australia, we have so many other religious minorities and ideological minorities represented, and it complicates the task of protecting freedoms now, because we've got to, we've got to go through this very complex business of balancing rights. And the challenge is that you know if you've been used to being the majority and you've you've had control or, or, or you've been able to exercise your rights at the experience, at the expense of other people, when that gets rebalanced, you know rights are actually a finite uh, commodity, and uh, and some people lose some rights in order that others might get them, and this is this is the challenge. There's a there's a thing called the the Syracuse principle in the management of uh, of law that says. If it, in this process of rebalancing rights, do it 
in a way that has as least possible impact upon the balance of rights as possible. In other words, don't just don't just you know impose discriminatory laws in a very uh, a very r- rough and heavy-handed manner, but keep the balance. Try to keep society balanced so that everybody feels like they're getting a fair share of freedom. As you say, it is sophisticated, it is complicated, but if we were boiling this down to a simple idea, a simple principle here, Charles, if you don't have religious freedom, what you do have is rising authoritarianism. And as soon as we lose the religious freedom to be able to teach what you believe, uh, then if that comes under the authority of the state, then you have what is uh, very, very simply a rising authoritarianism. And, of course, then uh, where that might uh, lead uh, is up to your imagination. What are your thoughts for just this such significant importance, the value of actually maintaining the church's right to be able to teach what it believes? Well, I think that um, the church needs to realise that it, it's it's the custodian of uh, of not just its own religious interests; it's the custodian of a view of government, and that view of government is that the purpose of government is to maximise the freedoms and just rights of its citizens. That's the purpose: to maximise it, not to control it. And and uh, this is part of the challenge that we see in our society, where we rush to legislate before we know where we are. We've got laws and rules and regulations about every possible thing that you can imagine, when actually the purpose of government is to keep legislation to a minimum and to recognize that legislation cannot do everything. And this is the role of the church, that there are some things legislation can't do. It, we sometimes hear that word, don't we? You cannot legislate righteousness. It's the role of the church to be leavened, uh, positive influence, light and salt in society, so that social values are shaped and influenced and directed by a sense of the common good and a sense of all that is good and right and true. And the church has a vital role now to realize that that if we're going to save the nation from becoming subject to totalitarianism, it's not just about politics it's about the actual work and influence of the church in society and every christian is now a missionary every christian is now has a responsibility not just to promote christianity but to promote all that is good and right and best for the society in which we live and and frankly you know the line but that's what faith does it sweetens everything you know true faith sweetens everything we see this in the arts don't we that when christian influence is withdrawn from the arts the arts go very dark and they they lose their sort of edification quality you know they become they become almost terrifying uh, uh, rather than edifying and uh, so we're not just called to engage in the political debate, but we're called to engage in in society and not and not abandon society to others who are who who don't have this vision glorious. You know, we have a vision glorious, don't we? We have so much hope for society when society is under the benign influence uh, of Christ and uh, and the and the Word of Truth. And so that's that's um, that's my comment on that. 
wordy. Well, Charles, a little wordy, but I must say, uh, and for listeners who uh, perhaps didn't get everything you said there, uh, what you were speaking were absolute gems of wisdom. And uh, for us to think of the church as the custodian of the view of government, of the sweetness of a society, is just a beautiful thought. And uh, to lose that would be tragic. And as you say, the the forces that are mounted against it, uh, I suspect, Charles, that there are some who are even within the Christian community who are seeing the church not as that custodian, not as the sweetener for society, but somehow rather as a a little marginalised group off on the side. Uh, we need to perhaps get an idea that our yes. church experience is somewhat different to the marginalised little group that meets on a Sunday, but yes, it is that, bigger I than agree that. With you. I agree with you. And I think that so much of that is the, that is the psychology of the, of the fragmentation and the dissenting in the church, the way in which the church is sort of fractured off so that, so that uh, you know you get denomination after a denomination that needs it needs to feel the need to defend its its particularity you know its particular uh, doctrine or position or something like that and before we know where we are we become defensive when when that's that's not the nature of the church the nature of the church is that you know i love that old hymn this is my father's world you know, this this world is loved by God, and in spite of its diversity, in spite of its religious diversity, in spite of its unrighteousness, God is able to see through that to the value of every human being, and he calls his sons and daughters to, to be generous and big-spirited as well, and to, and to see that we're not here for our own interests, but we are here for the interests of all humanity. And uh, that that is so important for, and I think I hope that's one of the lessons that comes out of this conflict, and that we uh, it would be tragic if this conflict characterised the church as once again defending its own interests, its own little patch, uh, because that's one of the criticisms of, uh, against the church that that's what we've done. We've only ever de- defended our own interests, and we've forgotten about everybody else, and that's just not. Christianity, it's just not our mission in the world. I love that phrase. It says, you know, the church is perhaps the only organization in the world that exists for its non-members. Well, Charles, you have reminded us today that there are bigger dimensions at play than just what's happening in the politics and the argument that's going on in our parliament. Uh, I want to thank you so much for those insights. We have run out of time. There were other issues we were going to discuss. We'll have to put them on hold. But let me point people to the website, Family Voice Australia. You might like to connect with Charles Newington, familyvoice.org.au. That's familyvoice.org.au. Charles Newington, thanks so much for taking some time to share uh, these gems with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.